Hey guys, this is Vanessa Dyer, and I'm the Charlotte, North Carolina-based lifestyle blogger behind thecheekybean.com. With several successful years as a business owner, a first-time mom, and a deep passion for health and wellness, I'm here to share my honest, unfiltered advice on all things motherhood, relationships, travel, and more. So grab a coffee and join the conversation. This is the Cheeky Bean Podcast. That marriage is hard and you're not always going to be on the same page and counseling is such a safe space to talk things out and be vulnerable without feeling attacked. Welcome back to the Cheeky Bean Podcast. That clip was from our guest of the show today, my very best friend, Meryl Balcom. And on this episode, we cover a lot of ground. Meryl has an inspiring story, one of which I look up to. I'm juiced up on coffee and so ready to get into it. She is a wife, the chief of staff at Ally Bank, a former college athlete at OU, and a fitness fanatic. She is my most badass friend and absolutely dominates the corporate world. She goes after exactly what she wants, and in this episode, she talks all about how you can too. Her story is so inspiring, it's aspirational, and it's motivating. It is all the things. I promise by the time this episode is over, you guys are going to know exactly why we are best friends. She's got a heart of gold. She's one of the most thoughtful people I've ever met, and she's got a big personality. On that note, I could not be more excited to welcome Meryl Balcom to the Cheeky Bean Podcast. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. You ready for this? I am. Thank (laughs) you for that wonderful intro. Yeah, I couldn't let my best friend have a a crappy intro. I appreciate that. (laughs) Hopefully, I don't disappoint here. Well... (laughs) Meryl's nervous, you guys. Y'all, she's got her. I'm so nervous. <laughs> she's got her podcast sea legs. I absolutely do. I told Vanessa on my way over here that I was just sweating. I'm just. I'm still sweating. I'm so nervous, but I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to be here with all of your listeners. Well, thank you for being here. Yes, I'm excited you're here. Thank you. Thank you for being my guinea pig. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, Meryl is my best friend. Hello, everyone. I'm Meryl. We have been friends for, what, four years now? Yep, four years. So, funny story. I actually asked Meryl out on a date. And I am so not a new friends kind of girl, so I almost said no. Yeah, very thankful you didn't. Yes, me too. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Our husbands actually work for the same company. They both work at Inside Global. So Meryl and I were familiar with each other and more of like acquaintances, I would say. We had had conversations at the hubby's work outings, but we were never really close until said date. (laughs) (laughs) It's very romantic. Yeah. So I knew the boys were out of town. They were at a work conference in Florida and I... I kind of felt like Meryl and I had a lot in common just from our previous conversations. And I thought, you know what? I bet she's sitting at home, not doing anything, just like me, probably bored. So I'm going to ask her if she wants to go to dinner. And Shane and Balcom, which is Meryl's husband, his name is John, but we call him Balcom, are best friends. They were best friends prior to her and I being friends. And Shane was like, yeah, do it, babe. That's a great idea. You should ask Meryl to go to dinner. I think you guys would hit it off. So sure enough, I asked her. She almost didn't come. Almost didn't come. I got your text message and I remember looking at Balcom being like, should I go? And he was like, absolutely. I think you have more in common than you think, which is exactly what she thought too. Yep. (laughs) So we go to dinner and we went to Oku in Charlotte, which is one of my favorite restaurants. We sit at the bar and it was like we knew each other, or at least I felt like it was like we knew each other for the last like 10 years. And we talked for 
hours. Yes. Like, we ordered drinks, didn't order food right away, and then after our food came, I felt like we were literally at the bar for three or four hours. Yeah, It was, like, the best first date ever. (laughs) It was so much fun. But can you imagine if I never would have asked you to go? I think about that all the time. No. Or, like, what if I had said no? Exactly. We would not be We wouldn't be here today. Which is so wild because I genuinely feel like we've known each other forever. I have, you know, a few friends that I've known my entire life and I absolutely put you in that same bucket. Like I just feel like I've known you forever without actually knowing you forever. I would agree. So ladies or anyone who's listening, (laughs) if you've been thinking about asking somebody on a date, a friend date, I say do it. I would agree. It's really hard to make friends as an adult. I would totally agree with that, and especially I, in your 30s. Yes, and I think if you've got the inkling or the urge to ask somebody because your gut is telling you that you have something in common, absolutely give it a shot, try it out, because you just, you never know what can happen. Yeah, and honestly, you have nothing to lose. If they say no, you're not losing anything. Absolutely. And if they say yes, then maybe you gain a beautiful friendship. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I want to start this off by having you tell everybody a little bit about how you grew up and your background, where you're from, a little bit of history about Merrill. Okay, so a little bit of history about Merrill. Um, I was born and raised in Muncie, Indiana, which is the home of the Cardinals, if you are familiar with Mid-American Conference sports. Um, And I went to school at Ohio University, so I got a volleyball scholarship um, to play at OU. So after graduating high school, I took the summer off and then we started the season in the fall. So I kind of, I guess, walked right into season at OU. Um, What was your position again? I never get this right. Sorry, yes, libero. So the person that wears the different colored jersey, if you guys are familiar with volleyball, um, and it's all defense. So never get to go in the front row. I'm very short. I'm 5'5 and 3 fourths. That's, that is important, the 3 fourths. Um, and I'm, I'm petite, so volleyball doesn't exactly stick out for a lot of people that that would have been the sport that I played in college. Um, but it is. I had a great college experience. I absolutely loved being a collegiate athlete. Um, you learned, or I learned personally, a lot of discipline and time management really quickly. Um, I got really homesick. So funny story. I called my mom in the middle of my freshman year and I was bawling and I was like, can I please come home? Um, and she said no. So she was very blunt with me, said no. And I'm so thankful that my mom said no because I had a wonderful four year experience. I played all four years. I met another one of my really best friends. Her name is Michelle. Um, and From there, I knew I didn't want to go home back to Muncie, um, but I didn't really know what opportunities there were in Ohio. So I actually went to a career fair on site or on site at at OU and uh, Insight Global was actually there. (laughs) Another Insight Globalite. Another Insight Globalite. So (laughs) we all started there, I guess. Unbelievable. (laughs) So I interviewed, I got the job, and my sister actually had um, just recently moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. So she's worked for Walgreens since she was 16. She's been there forever. Um, And in order for her to get promoted, she needed to move states or a different store. So she chose Raleigh. And she said, you know what? Come on down. Pick pick North Carolina. Because, you know, at Inside Global, they have... 
Yeah. Is it 52 offices now or is it, it has to be more than that. I don't know. They're big though. At the time it was 52 offices. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them was Raleigh and my sister, you know, welcomed me with open arms. So I moved to Raleigh and I lived with her and her now husband for two years. They were newlyweds. They got engaged while I lived with them. They were newlyweds. I'm sure they love that. Oh my gosh, my poor brother-in-law. He's a saint. He has lived with me. He has lived with my mom. Oh my, my gosh. My, I mean, my brother-in-law. He really is a saint. Um, so I, I moved in with them and I started at Insight Global a couple of months after I moved to Raleigh. Um, and that is where I met a boy, which is now my husband, John Balcom. Um, all the love stories started inside global too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I very much, um, if you listen to the very first episode, I very much related to you in the fact that inner office dating was not a thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm a couple years older than Vanessa. So <laughs> even before her, there was no, um, management alignment oh. like the rule that you were saying where you and Shane didn't have the same manager yes so yeah we didn't report to the same people didn't report to the same people so that we didn't have that rule oh, that was, everybody was, reported to the same person everybody reported okay. to the same person yeah and so our options were you either quit someone quits yep. or you move offices okay so um neither one of us were really in a financial position to just quit our jobs so my husband decided to move to Charlotte so we could actually date. Um, and then, you know, I quit because I missed him so much and I just wanted to be near him. So I quit my job so sweet. and I moved to, um, I moved to Charlotte and he would not let me move to Charlotte until I got a job. <laughs> that was the very responsible thing to do. Yes, I don't. Which, if you know anything about John Balcom, he's a very responsible individual. So this doesn't surprise me one bit. Yes. Um, so I, I like didn't understand. I just wanted him to take care of me. But you know, I had to get a job. So <laughs> I ended up interviewing um, for a contractor position through Insight Global at Ally Financial, which is where I work now. Okay. Um, How many years ago was this? That was eight years ago. I will be with Ally uh, nine years in December. Wow, that's incredible. I, I feel like our generation doesn't stick with the same job for that long anymore. I could not agree with you more. Um, but I will say, like, I've had, and I don't know if this is one of the questions you're going to ask, but I've had a lot of movement and mobility within Ally. Yes. Um, which has made it easy to stay put for a long period of time. It, yeah. You know, you get new and exciting opportunities. While it feels very different, I'm it, sure. Yes. Each group has got to be very different from the next. And different people, but you still have the comfort of the company. Yeah. Right? Like, I still have the yeah. comfort of knowing you know the, the acronyms. And I know the Yes, system. the lingo. Yes, yeah. exactly. I get that. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. So... I guess from there, you are very confident. Mm, thank you. And that is a quality that I absolutely admire and love about you. Anytime I go out anywhere with you, you also shine so bright. <laughs> so I think that that is something to speak about. Where does your confidence come from? Oh my gosh, that's, um, that's, I love that you think that I'm confident. Um, but I think that your confidence even though I only see it outside of the workplace because I don't go to work with you every day. I do think that your confidence has helped you elevate yourself within the workplace as well. So I would like to contribute 
a lot of the the confidence you know that you see outside of the work and that my coworkers see inside work um, to a very early age. So I started volleyball when I was in second grade. And it was really clear to me, and and I think to others, that I had a talent. Um, But as the years went on and everybody grew, um, and if you know anything about volleyball, the taller you are, the better you are for the most part at the sport. Um, And I closer to the net. Yes. Um, And I continued to stay small and petite, so I had to work even harder to keep up. So while I wasn't genetically blessed with tall, lanky body, I could put in extra hours at the gym and I could take extra classes with my coaches after practice um, to help elevate my skill because I didn't have the genetics to go with. Yeah, Um, And I really think that that has translated through my entire life. Um, you know, I've always, I've always had to have that chip on my shoulder from a sports perspective. Um, even going into college, you know, that's, that's a totally different ball game. You're the girls on the team are average height was six, two, I'm five, five. Yeah. So I, I had that's to do, intimidating. it's very intimidating. And I, I had to do that in college too. I, I would go in at 5am just to get in an extra workout. I would, go running after practice just to be physically fit, to be faster. I would stay late. I, I just, I always had to put in extra effort to be good. Yeah. Um, but I think from my perspective, that aspect of the beginning of your life has mm-hmm. molded you into the person that you are today because you have a work ethic like None I have ever seen. Even when it comes, I mean, it, like your corporate job, your work ethic is incredible. But also just in our relationship at the gym, you work just as hard for personal reasons, non-sports related in the gym today that I imagine you worked when you were in college for volleyball as well. Yes, I would agree with that. My work ethic and I also, you know, I'd like to give my dad a shout out. My dad's an, the hardest working person ever, and he always expected that of my sister and I. Okay. Um, so I, I think, you know, that coupled with me genuinely just trying to keep up has translated through my entire adulthood, too. And, yeah. you know, college into my career at work. And that's such a good example of adversity turning into a positive thing later on. Yeah. A lot of times people look at adversity as something really negative when it happens to them. But you took adversity and just tackled the crap out of it. And here you are today. It is one of your strongest qualities. And, you know, it's funny. It used to be the genetic thing, right? Like I always tiny and petite in the wrong sport, yeah. essentially, for what you think of volleyball. <laughs> right. And at work, I tackle it from being young. So yeah. I now, my, my adversity, right, is that I have grown very quickly in my career, and I am often the youngest at the table with all the leaders. And yeah. so now I have to work hard at work and put in extra hours and learn technologies that I didn't know before because I don't have the history and I don't have the age to go with everybody else at the table. So I have to put in extra work to be just as good as everybody else. It's that, that piece of me is 
it's never left, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. While we're on the topic of work, yes. can you explain a little bit about what you do for Ally? Because you have a pretty, in my opinion, prestigious title at Ally. And how you got to where you are today. Because you're a boss babe. Thank you. And <laughs> I admire how far you have come within the corporate workplace. And I'd also love to talk about how you feel about being a woman in business. Yeah. Um, so do you mind if I give you just the history of my yeah. work at Ally? Go okay. For it. So... As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, I was hired on as a contractor via Insight Global, and I was in a content architecture role, very entry level, basically all of the words that you see at ally.com, I was implementing in the back end with some very basic HTML. If you ask me to code, I absolutely cannot. It's very <laughs> basic. Um, but from there, I moved into a, a project management role for like the help and FAQ section. Okay. Um, and I had to do overnight releases, which was very, very challenging. I don't know if anybody out there is works in technology and knows about overnight releases, but it is not for the faint of heart. Um, and from that role, I moved into creative services. So I got a really cool opportunity to manage um, design, content, and partner with our marketing team, our internal ally marketing team for um, you know internal and external marketing for ally. Okay. And then from there, I moved into a product owner role for our mortgage line of business, where um, I got to fly to New York quite often and um, mold the relationship with Better.com, which is our mortgage servicing provider. Okay. Um, and by the way, if you guys aren't familiar with Ally, Ally Bank is one of the largest car financing companies in the U.S. Yes. So and we're an online-only bank. We've yes. got Invest. Yep. We are. Uh, we have a slew of, of, of things. Um, and from, I guess, from the product owner role, I got moved into a chief of staff-like role in technology. Um I had always been on the uh, business side of the house. I had never taken a leap of faith into technology. So the first chief of staff type role that I was in um, was my first stint in technology. And it was, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I, literally no idea what I was doing. That that was me having to work hard. And I was like, I mean, we were, I was in conversations being like, oh my goodness, I have to Google that. Like yeah. it was really challenging. Yeah. Um, but but what got, doesn't change you doesn't make you better. That's right. And I learned a lot and I met a lot of people um, and I was able to prove myself as someone who was <laughs> worthy, I don't know, of a legitimate chief of staff role. So um, let's see here. Back in September, I ended up interviewing for the, the role that I'm in now, chief of staff to our CIO for enterprise technology. That's a mouthful. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was, I, I think I told you this, but that was one of the most proud promotions that I've ever gotten. Yeah, um, you should be proud. I, That's yeah. a big promotion. It was a big promotion. I'm a director. I have a team under me. And I took a leap of faith with that role. I didn't want to apply because I didn't think that I was qualified. And, you know, the age-old statistic is 60% of men apply for jobs, or wait, men apply for jobs that they are 60% qualified for. Women apply for jobs when they have 100%. They meet all the qualifications. Yes. Yep. 
I was in the man boat. I looked at the job description and I thought, you know what? I'm 60% qualified. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and, and like that's also intimidating because technology is a male dominant industry. Yes. When I, I never worked directly in technology, but when I was in sales, I worked with Wells Fargo, so very similar. And I worked with IT, so I was on the technology side of the house. And I mean, 75% of my clients right. were men. And it is a very male dominant workforce and it still is yeah (laughs) so that also has to be intimidating inserting yourself into something being young being a woman and you know maybe not feeling like you know all of the things that you need to know to to do this job but you still did it and you got the damn job I did and I was so (laughs) proud of that because I I didn't know anybody I applied for the job and I thought you know what Worst case scenario, I get some face-to-face time with the CIO. That's that's a great networking opportunity for me. Absolutely. Best case scenario, I get the job. Yeah. And so I interviewed with my now boss, and it went flawlessly. And then I interviewed with a couple of my, my now uh, peers, and those interviews went really well as well. And I got the job like a week later. They, they emailed me and said, hey, you've got it. And I was ecstatic. And I... I was so proud of myself because I I really took a leap of faith with that one. I didn't know anybody and I just kind of walked into it blindly thinking, just give it a shot. Something in me just said, give it a shot. Yeah. Well, and I think the confidence has something to do with it too. The confidence that you've built throughout the workplace. I think you believed in yourself. Yeah, I did. You believed that you could get that job. So you decided to to go for it. And I wanted it. Like I really, really wanted it. Yeah. That's amazing. What advice would you have for somebody who is in the corporate world who wants to climb the ladder like you, but maybe doesn't really have the same level of confidence? How can they build that confidence? And how do you think that they could potentially network to get to where they want to be? So I think if you're in the corporate workplace, my biggest advice would be to if there are any internal um, like ERG groups or volunteer opportunities, I would say absolutely try and get involved in some of the extracurricular activities. That is the quickest and easiest way to network with people that are your peers, above you, inside your organization, outside of your organization. And those spaces for the most part are so safe and they're fun and you can get to know people on a personal level. Yeah, they're and, more relaxed. Yes, and you can build a relationship. So then when the time is right, you can go and say, hey, I know we met at this event. I'm looking for a different opportunity. If you have anything on your team available now or within the next six months, please keep, keep me, me in mind. mind. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the the role before this, I my old boss, Jason Bucklovis is his name. I, I met him... Um, in my product owner role and I just like had a gut feeling that I really liked him and he was going to be a good person for me to know. Yeah. And uh, he was my leap of faith into technology. I, I reached out to him like six months after we met and I just said, hey, I know we only met a couple of times, but I'd love to come work for you if you have anything in your organization. And it was that. It was that I had a chance to meet him face to face. So yeah. if you can get out there and just try some of the extracurriculars at at work. I love that. Yeah. What, in terms of networking, what Mm -hmm. would you advise people to do if they have been in the same 
position or with the same company for as long as you've been with Ally for maybe eight years and they want to leave and go somewhere else, but they're nervous about doing something different, what advice would you have for those people? So I think that's a little bit twofold, right? So if you want to leave your company, I, I think, you know, keeping in contact with people that you are close to or that you work with uh, or worked with, I guess I should say, at your at the company you are at, keeping in touch with them via LinkedIn, then you can see where they go and you can always reach out, right? You, I feel like you can't take personal connection away from people and, you know, so-and-so may leave and then there's an opportunity for you to get outside of your company. I obviously have not done that, <laughs> um, but as far as being in a role for a really long time at a company and you're starting to feel, you know, nostalgia and and wanting to try different things. Um, I, I mean, you, you heard me. I've had a slew of roles at Ally. And I think that first and foremost for me, anytime that I feel like, okay, I've been doing this job for a little while. It makes sense. I'm not feeling challenged. I want to do something else. First and foremost, I look internally and I say, what roles are open at my company? Is there anything that would be a good fit for me? Is there anything that excites me? And I take those opportunities to look for a different role instead of looking outside of a company, um, which has really, really been great for me. And it's, yeah. it's made me stay excited at the same company because I get a new role and it's exciting and it's new people and, and it's, it's different. different. And it's different. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're feeling that, you know, Try and look at your internal roles. You never know what you can find. Well, and I'm sure there's also benefit to the loyalty to one company on your resume. Yeah. You know, if somebody sees that you've been with that same company and you're applying for a different role within the company, they probably appreciate seeing that you're loyal in the past yep. and that they can rely on you to be there for the long haul. Absolutely. And lateral moves happen, but every time that I've ever taken a new role, it's been a promotion. And that's a story that I can tell about my resume. Yeah. You can see it on my resume clearly that I have continued to get promoted every couple of years. Right. And that's the story that you see under Ally Financial on my resume. Right. So. I love it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about John Balcom, no. your husband. My so Meryl has one of the healthiest, most loving, wholesome marriages I have ever seen out of anybody I've ever met. And that is something that Shane and I really admire about the two of you. But I know that marriage is not easy and everybody has their struggles. And you guys you guys have also been together for how long now? We will be married seven years in June. Uh, we're about 10 years between dating and being engaged. Okay. About 10. So, you know, 10 years of time. You guys have been through a lot of different phases of life. Yep. And I think that people can really learn from you. Like, how do you keep the love alive for that many years? You know, I don't even, I, I through like, all the phases. Oh, he's just so darn cute. That's, <laughs> I just want to squeeze him. Um, he is absolutely wonderful. And thank you for, for saying all those kind things about our marriage. I, I like genuinely feel those same, same things too. <laughs> um, you know, I think after 10 years, it is understanding each other's differences is really important. Yeah. Opposites attract, and John Balcom and I are complete opposites. But the fact that we understand and respect each other's differences has, I think, is a, a big contributor. Um, 
keeping the romance alive by doing the little things yeah. is... And John Gotham is so good at the little things. <laughs> this is. man gets it, you guys. There needs to be... We need to clone him as many times as we can because he gets it. He's romantic. He is. He's really romantic. And I would love to say I'm the one that's romantic. I am not. I absolutely attribute all of the romance in my marriage to my lovely husband. Um, but, you know, it's I, I still do the little things while they might not be these big romantic gestures. Um, yeah. I think... You know, doing the little things is really important. And lastly, I would say counseling. I think counseling is extremely healthy. Um, My husband and I have benefited from premarital counseling as well as counseling, you know, while we were going through the wedding planning process and then um, into our marriage. And the first few years of your marriage, right? Yeah. 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 And like pretty consistently too. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like you said, marriage is hard and you're not always going to be on the same page and counseling is such a safe space to talk things out and be vulnerable without feeling attacked you know right. like sometimes when when you're in an argument and you're not seeing eye to eye you just you feel like you're being attacked or you feel like the other person isn't listening they're not hearing you um and in counseling you're really forced to just sit there yeah. and shut up and yeah. listen to the other person <laughs> and you know? really dissect what the root cause of everything is yeah shane and i also did premarital counseling and we also did counseling for a few topics that felt very big especially yeah. to me at the beginning of our marriage and you guys actually inspired us to go to counseling because you've you've had such great success with it but i think there's such a negative stigma attached to counseling like everybody's like oh you're going to counseling is everything okay they immediately think that if you're going to counseling while you're married that there's an issue when really you're building a healthier foundation for the longevity of your marriage yes, yes. and we completely solved the issues that that were really major at the beginning of our relationship because we were on two different pages and we didn't know, we didn't have the proper tools to talk through those things together. We needed a mediator who didn't have a predisposition about that particular topic or those topics. So we really benefited from that, even though the sessions were uncomfortable and they weren't the most fun to go to. And my husband was fairly reluctant to go, but he was like, this is important to you. And this is something that if it's important to you, I will go do for you. And I think looking back, if you asked Shane, was it helpful? He would say that it was. Oh, I'm sure. There are things that don't come up in our marriage anymore because we fixed them at the beginning of our marriage. And we now know how to navigate those particular topics because we have the proper tools to do so. So I agree. And the tool, like the tool piece, right? Counseling, if out of network, of your insurance is very expensive. Yes. And if you can find a counselor that you like, um, you know, I would say, and it fits in your means, absolutely, totally worth the money, even if you only go a few times. Because even out of two or three sessions, you get so many tools on how to communicate, how to listen, how to work through problems, and you can take that forever. Those never go away. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So I would also say if you're entertaining counseling to do it before you have kids. I know when we went to counseling, she was like, I'm so glad that you guys are coming to me prior to kids because once you add kids into the mix, it's a whole nother level of complicated. And if you're figuring these things out prior to adding another layer of 
topics that are easy to argue about and easy to be on different pages about, you at least have a healthy foundation. So if you're thinking about it, I would say try to do it before kids. I think that's beneficial. Try to do it before marriage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very Highly recommend it before marriage. And continue it. Yes. Stay stay with it if you can. It's yeah. really worth it. Yeah. I don't see there being any downsides of it if you can do it through insurance. Yeah. The absolutely. only con to counseling, I think, is if it's not covered by insurance, it is expensive. Yes. That's very true. Speaking of kids. Yes. Meryl is one of the most motherly natural motherly people I have ever met in my life. It just kind of comes to you naturally. Oh, thank you. But you don't want kids. I don't want kids. I know. That's that's everybody's conflict, right? I I am motherly and I love kids. Like I genuinely And you're phenomenal with kids. And and I it just comes naturally to your it point. Does. Like I yeah. I love kids. It comes naturally. And also for your husband. Oh, absolutely which it's, it's natural to him too. Yes. We're both Whenever, whenever we have Liam, we're like legitimate parents. Like yes. it, it very much just feels like, oh, we could be parents. This yeah. is a thing that we could absolutely do. And we never worry about leaving him with you guys because of how comfortable you are when you're around us with him. Yeah. Which, yes. Um, but I think, you know, you and Shane make it easy to be comfortable because you're not, you don't hover, you don't, you know, you let us do our own thing with Liam, which is lovely. Um, but I... You know, everybody likes to time box you yes. when when you get older. Yeah. They like to time box you into uh, when you should get married, when you should have babies, when you should be at certain points in your career. Yeah. And I have always heard, well, just wait till you find the right one. I found the right one. Yeah. Well, just wait till you've been married a few years. Yeah, we've been married a few years. Wait till you turn 30. Well, I'm 33. (laughs) Um, And all of those just wait was all around you will want a baby when you hit these certain milestones within that time box. And um, I I just, I still don't feel it. Yeah. Um, I, so earlier, early on in our relationship when we were trying to figure out who was going to leave and move to Charlotte, um... Balcom and I had not been dating very long and we were doing the secret of dating. So really not a ton of people knew about us. And we went for a walk and I remember this conversation like it was yesterday because it was really important to me. Um, We went for a walk and I was like, look, I know we haven't been dating that long and I know that this conversation is coming really quickly, but I don't want kids. And if that's a deal breaker for you, and if you want to be a dad, if that's your lot in life, I'm never going to make you happy. Right. Um, Because I I genuinely felt like I really don't want kids. Do I want to change my, do I want to have the ability to change my mind? Yes. I think everybody does, right? Yeah. On anything. Sure. Um, But it was really important that we had that conversation before he moved. And he he sort of took a step back because first and foremost, probably because he was like, what is this girl doing? Why is she talking to me about this? But then I think second was, oh, I, I like actually have to think about this. And we came to the, the conclusion that we were both fine not having kids in life. And if we ever changed our minds, we'd bring it to the table and we'd have a conversation at that point in time. Yeah. Um, and 
thus far we're we're still on the same page that we don't want kids we love loving on your babies though (laughs) um and you know I, I think it goes against the grain and people don't really understand it but it's just something that I've never I've never wanted like for myself so badly I've never I've never had that thought of I knew I'd always want kids or I've always wanted to be a mom it's it's never been there for me. Um, so yeah, we, we decided not to have kids and we're, we're still on that train. Um, but I, I, I laugh cause I'm time boxing myself. You know, I, <laughs> I get mad when other people do it for me, but I give myself until 35 when 35 hits, that's yep. going to be my number where I'm like, all right, we're either doing this or we're not doing this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, I mean, everybody has their own walk in life and, I, I just, my marriage is enough for me. Yeah. And I, I think that, or I hope that that is always going to be enough for me if we choose not to have children. Sure. Um, but, you know, right now it's, I love my marriage and I love everything that we get to do together and I love where we are. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in that most people don't understand it. But I think it's a great point to make because it's a different perspective. And like you mentioned, most people have this trajectory in life of you get married, you buy a house, you have kids. So when somebody doesn't want kids, I feel like a lot of people, you don't hear people talk about it because they don't feel comfortable sharing because it's not the common denominator in the trajectory of life. Oh, absolutely. And you get the side eyes and you get people that don't understand and they try and change your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which I try not to do, but I still hope one day. <laughs> Which I appreciate that. I, I appreciate your hope too. That's, that's very nice. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, I guess my advice to anybody listening is be yourself. And if you don't want kids, it's all right. It's, it's better okay. than bringing a child into the world that you don't want. Yes. You know, knowing that in advance, I think is, it, it can be a good thing. Yeah, it's your life. You yeah. do what you want to do and whatever makes you happy, do it. Yeah. But I would say, if you are getting married, definitely have the conversation before well, you get married. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that one needs to be had yes. prior to the, the day. Yep. <laughs> all right. To wrap this up, what is something that most people would be surprised to know about you? Oh, this is a good one. So, fun fact, or surprise, I guess, um, my father came out to me as that he was gay eight years ago. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, um, my dad is my one of my best friends, and he... Um, and I don't know if we have time for this, but... Uh, yeah, we got, we got all the time in the world. Perfect. So um, I, I received a text message that my dad needed to talk to me at work. And I, he, like, kept trying to reach out to me, and we just, like, couldn't connect. Um, and finally, he texted me. And I thought, he's going to tell me he's gay. I have no idea why I thought You just this. had a gut feeling. I had this gut feeling. Wow, that's incredible. So bizarre. So I called him that night and he was like, honey, I have something to tell you. And um, he, he was just like, you know, I've, I've been gay my whole life. It wasn't what you did. My father is in his 60s and he said, you know, this isn't something that was acceptable when I was younger. Yeah. So yeah, I, the world has come a long way. A long way. And it still has a, 
some ways to go. For sure. Um, but he said that he, what it wasn't what you were supposed to do, so he went and got married to my mom, and he didn't regret it, obviously, because he has my sister and I. Yeah. But, Again, um, going back to the conversation around the trajectory of life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He took the trajectory. He didn't go against the grain. Um, and that he was just ready to be himself. And what that meant was that he was a gay man. He had been gay his entire life. Um, and, you know, he was willing to give me time to digest the information that he loved me, that this changed nothing about our relationship or the love that he had for me or my sister or my mom in, in a certain capacity. Sure. Um, and I I just immediately was like, yes. I, I was so excited. I love that so much. I didn't need time. Like, my dad was always going to be my dad. Right. Regardless of his sexuality or who he loved. Right. And I was so excited. Um, and, you know, his very first trip to Charlotte, my husband and I took him to uh, the gay Scorpio, the gay bar. Mm-hmm. And then we went to um, a gay bar off of East Boulevard. We did a drag show, mm-hmm. you know, just fully embracing it. Yeah. Um, and he is now has a partner. Um, they've been together for quite some time and they live together and... He's never been happier. You know, he's just... I love that. He's who he is Living now. his best life. He's living his best life with an awesome partner. And, you know, I just... I love him so much. And I love him for being his authentic self. Because that is that is not easy to do. Let alone... It is not easy. It's not. And, it, and it's, it's not easy to be yourself when it's so different than who you've been for almost 60 years. Yeah. No pretty kidding. Wild. It's pretty wild when you think about it. The, yeah, absolutely. You don't get to rewrite your book very often. And I'm really proud of him for rewriting his story and it being the story that makes him the happiest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think once he actually came out, it was like, oh, wow. Like, like it all makes sense now. It all makes sense. And yeah. this is this is my dad. And I, I just, I love him to pieces. And he's such a wonderful person. And he has shown me you know, how to work hard at the very beginning. Yeah. And now later in life, just being your authentic true self is okay. Yes. So I love your relationship with him. Oh, thank you. All right, Meryl, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Of course. I hope you're not sweating anymore. Just a little bit. (laughs) We'll get you some deodorant when we leave here. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Where can everybody find you on social media? You can find me on social media at Meryl Bender. On Instagram? On Instagram, yes. She's so much better at the social media stuff, you guys. (laughs) I love it. To wrap this up, please follow me on Instagram at The Cheeky Bean, as well as the podcast, which you can find on Spotify and Apple, and comment on my latest post with your most requested podcast ideas. I will see you guys next week. (laughs) 